You may be seated. How many of you guys grew up taking family vacations with a guy named Willie? Any of you guys ever played with a Wooly Willie before? It's just a fantastic toy. We actually have a, an image of Wooly Willie that's coming up on the screen too in case you can't see it well. This is Wooly Willie. Now for you young bucks that didn't get to experience this kind of entertainment when you were a kid, let me tell you that this is where it was at. Wooly Willie was the best. I brought this one today to use kind of as a visual aid for what we're talking about. Now, if you are unfamiliar with Mr. Willie, let me fill you in on what an amazing toy this really is. Now, if you have a child that is like anywhere from like, you know, toddler age, like maybe four or five years old to like 24, anywhere in that range, (laughs) they would love to sit down and play with Wooly Willie. I mean, you, next family trip you take, give this to your toddler, and I'm telling you, that kid is going to be mesmerized by this thing for like a minute at the most, maybe 30 seconds. But those 30 seconds are going to be amazing. They're going to be awesome. Now, the way Wooly Willy works is that this little red pen here has a little magnet down in the bottom of it, and these shavings down here at the bottom, they're made out, I guess they're made out like, they're kind of like filed shavings of metal. And so what happens is when you use the magnet... You can use the magnet to move these little shavings all around on Willie's face, and you can create different looks. So, for instance, this guy, this is one I came up with this week when I was working on the message. (laughs) I was playing with Wooly Willie for hours because I really care about this. I just really wanted to make sure I represent Wooly Willie well. This is the minimalist. Uh, There's another one I created. This one I called the beard. Pretty nice, nice looking beard, little... A little mohawk action happening there on top. Also, the handlebar might be one that you're familiar with. <laughs> handlebar, good bushy eyebrows there. And then this is my favorite one, the high top fade. Some of you may have been fans of Kid and Play, or maybe you saw pictures of me when I was 16. Either way, you would know what the high top fade was. Uh, the next one, I actually really am proud of what I'm about to show you. This is Sean. How many of you guys know Pastor Sean? <laughs> I created this. And it is eerily similar to what Sean looks like. And this one was Sean's attempt to recreate me, which I don't, I'm really pretty certain that's not me. I I don't get it. But I guess he was trying to make a case for the fact that I don't really shave very often and I leave a lot of that stuff on there. So you can see that the design is very dependent upon the designer. Am I right? Like this is Sean's rendition of me. And I really hope that that's not what I look like. When I look in the mirror, that's not really what I see. But the magnet that was used by Sean created an image of what Wooly Willie looked like, and it was named the mat. So you can see how influential the designer can be. Whoever holds the magnet holds great influence on the outcome of the design. And in the same way, when it comes to our friends, the friends that we live life with will exert great influence on the things that we say or the things that we do or the places that we go, the jobs that we take, the schools that we attend, all can ultimately be very influenced by the friends that we keep. Ultimately, friendships can be one of the strongest influencers of the direction of our lives. In many ways, the friends we choose will help to determine our destiny. 
So let's be intentional today in these next 20 to 30 minutes. Let's be intentional about finding great friendships that will have lasting impact on the quality and direction of our lives. Now, in preparation for this message, one of the things that we found is that Berkeley actually did a sociological study on friendship, and they found some pretty interesting conclusions. Now, this study was done across different cultures that had this value on relationships, that that was, that was something that was very key in that culture was relationships and the value of friendship and relationship. That was one set of cultures that was used to, uh, to compare. Then the other set of cultures were those where independence and productivity were the most important thing. So it wasn't about relationship at all. It was just about you get your job done and be productive. And so they took these two cultures and they compared the two. And what they found was that isolation leads to poor health, while close relationships led to a fuller and longer life. So when I'm given the option between poor health or a full life, I'm going to take a full life every time. But if I want to have a full life, it needs to be found in relationship with other people. None of us are lone rangers. We need to have quality friendships. But they do seem hard to come by sometimes, don't they? Sometimes it seems difficult to find really great friends. I mean, I can tell you all I want about the importance of friendships and how you need to have great friends. But if I can't give you some direction on how to find those kind of friendships, then we're really wasting our time, aren't we? So that's going to be part of the message today as well, is that I do want to give you some healthy principles on friendship and what friendship can be and how it can really be a benefit to you. But I also want to give you some insight on, hey, these are some ways that you potentially could find some very healthy, great friendships for you to invest in. So let's dig in. We're going to continue to find our way to a better life, as we've been doing in this series, by finding great friendships to help get us there. So great friendships, number one, influence our direction, so choose wisely. Now, if I asked you about the greatest influences in your life, now this may not be true for everybody in the room, but my guess would be that most of you in this room, if I said, tell me what were the greatest influences in your life, you would start to tell me about people. You would tell me about people that you knew that you had relationship with, and your relationship with that person, whether it was good or bad, influenced you considerably when it came to the pattern and the direction of your life. I would guess that that would be true for most of you. And one of the places we hear a lot about the type of friend that points you in the right direction at the right moment is in the book of Proverbs. A guy named Solomon was the author of Proverbs. And even still, Solomon, as, Solomon is recognized as one of the smartest people ever to walk this earth. Had a lot of very wise things to say. God blessed him that way with wisdom. And he dished out some great advice about the kind of influence that we need in our lives. We're going to look at Proverbs 13.20 today. And the first part of Proverbs 13.20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. That's pretty good advice, right? I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I think most of us have seen this play out in our lives, that when you walk with the wise, you become wise. So if you spend your time with company that are wise then you eventually can glean some wisdom from that person as well. It makes sense. You know when you want advice on a certain subject, there are people that you are going to go to that are very wise in that subject. And so by having a conversation with that person, you then will be wiser because you have spent time with somebody that is wise that can give you that same wisdom. And that's important that we, that we glean that wisdom from somebody else. So basically what this verse is telling us is that when it comes to wisdom, you become like the people you spend the most time with. 
If you spend time with the wise, then you become wise. The other side of that coin, though, is that if you spend time with people that aren't wise, fill in the blank, right? (laughs) Then you're probably going to become less wise as well, which is the second part of this verse. It says, a companion of fools suffers harm. And we've also observed this to be true also, haven't we? We've seen that this can absolutely be true. I've, I've worked in student ministries for well over a decade now. I'm currently youth pastor here at Daybreak and also held that position at another church and have been a, any, I've volunteered. I've done all kinds of part-time roles. I've just been all over the place. But over the last 10 years, more than 10 years now, in some way I've been involved in student ministry every moment. And I can tell you that I see this play out in student ministry all the time. Like we'll have a student that really seems like they're on a good path. They're growing. They're progressing. They're getting closer to Christ. But then they get connected to a group of friends that even though they may be nice kids, they just are kids that are headed a different direction than where that student's trajectory is. And in starting to hang out with that group of students, they begin to value what that group of kids values instead of continuing to value a relationship with Christ and making that their first and primary focus. And so pretty soon we see these students that we wouldn't have expected would make these kinds of bad choices. We start to see them make choices that we go, man, I never would have expected that this person would have gone down that path. And it's just a bummer to see that happen. But often it does happen because that student allows themselves to become a companion of fools or become a companion of foolish people. But it's not just students, is it? It's not just students that struggle with this. As adults, we struggle with it too. And we too often spend the majority of time with people that don't have a positive influence on our lives. And when we do that, we, we initiate friendship with them. I think sometimes when we initiate friendship, it actually comes out of a really good place. Like, I want to be friends with this person, and I want to help I want to help be a positive influence on them. I can see they're making bad choices. I want to help them make better choices. But what happens is when the majority of our time is spent in relationship with people that we are trying to influence them, eventually the influence of the crowd actually begins to influence us. And we start to move further and further away from what God really had planned for us. And so it influences our direction. When we hang out with the wise, that influences our direction in a positive way. And when we are the companion of fools, our our direction is influenced in a negative way. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have these types of friendships. Absolutely, we need to be intentional about going out and just investing in friendship with people that need friends. We need to come alongside of people that need help. We definitely need to come alongside of people that are making bad choices and lead them to a place where they can experience newness in Christ. We need to do that. Absolutely, we've been commanded by God to do that. I mean, that's Jesus' commission for us is that we go out and we reach those people. But we can't get ourselves into the place where that is the only relationship that we are investing in because we won't have anybody pouring into us. There has to be great friendships that are pointing us back towards Jesus as well. We have to do that because when the majority of our relationships are with people that are being foolish, we should not be surprised when we start acting like fools. And that is really the point that Solomon was trying to make. He was telling us that friendships influence our direction in life. When we are friends with those who are wise, it puts us on a path toward wisdom. But foolish friendships can make our lives worse and not better. And if I could be real candid right now, I have been the companion of fools many times. And I have suffered harm as a result. 
I've also at times been the fool, and I've convinced other people to do foolish things. I mean, I had friends in high school that when we got together, we did really stupid things. I mean, we all on our own were capable of dumb stuff. But when we would get together, it was exponentially greater opportunity for foolish things to happen. I can remember one time I was hanging out with a friend of mine, Jay. We were at Creation Music Festival many years ago. I was actually had graduated high school and I was going to community college at the time. And me and four of, or three of my friends went to Creation for the week. And we were there hanging out at the music festival. And one night my friend Jay got out Zippo lighter fluid. And he was showing me how it was really cool that you can take Zippo and you put it on your pants. And then you light it on fire and it lights up and then you just smack it out. It's completely harmless, right? Yeah, fire's harmless. And so I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Let's continue to play with fire. And so we're doing the Zippo and we're doing it in different places. And I had a really cool idea. It was cool at the time. I had a really cool idea that I wanted to put some on top of my hat. And then I would light the hat and it would be like, oh, look, it's like, you know, Acts chapter one all over again. There's a little flame of fire on top of Matt's head and it's really exciting. And so instead of taking the hat off myself and putting the fluid on, for some reason that didn't occur to me, I instead handed that, or I I instead uh, bent over like this and allowed my friend Jay to apply some Zippo lighter fluid to my head. And it seemed like it was taking him a long time. I had asked clearly for just a little dot of fluid, but after, I don't know, 30 minutes, no, not really that long. After a a little bit, I'm like, okay, are you done? He's like, hold on, hold on. I'm making a figure eight. It's going to be amazing. And so I lit that lighter and I didn't get any closer than right here. And it just lit my head on fire and it turned into this inferno. And I'm desperately trying to get the hat off of my head. And my friends are just laughing. They're like, ha, 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 Matt's head is on fire. Yay! They got roasting sticks and marshmallows. So finally, I'm able to get my hands underneath and push the hat off. And when I get the hat off, I realize that it's completely dark. I can't see anything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I burned my eyeballs out of my head. What did I do? I'll never be able to look at my face in the mirror again. I was really sad about that. <laughs> and after a couple of seconds of kind of like self-inspection, as my friends continued to laugh at me, I realized that my eyes were shut. But I couldn't open them. I had a ring around my head of burnt hair that went all the way around And the heat must have centered directly on the eyebrow, eyelash region because there were no eyebrows where there used to be eyebrows. And my eyelashes had melted together so that I could not open them. I had physically had to grab lower lid, upper lid, and yank it apart. And then I was like, ah, I can see. So I was fine. But sadly, it wasn't the last time I did something really stupid with friends. Now, many of you probably have had similar kinds of friendships. Could you raise your hand if you've done dumb stuff with friends before? Yes, many of you, I see the hands. The rest of you may be lying. I don't know. We probably should start a support group. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm a fool. 
And honestly, some of the stupid things that I've done have been relatively harmless and in good fun. So I'm not saying that we need to like remove all potential for fun out of our lives. And in some ways, my propensity for doing crazy things has really helped me in my line of work that I can do crazy things in student ministry. But the danger is that if I only surround myself with crazy people like me, harm is definitely coming my way. That's why it's really important that I have the wise counsel of good friends to work alongside of me, not only in student ministry, but just personally, that I have people that are investing in me that are great friends. And this is what Solomon is really trying to say to us, is that Solomon understood a very important principle that your friendships will set the trajectory for your life. And because of that, it is not only okay to be picky about your friends, but it really is imperative that you be picky about your friends. But how do we do that? I mean, how do we know whether the friends that we have are wise or they're fools? Sometimes it's hard to see. I mean, for me, it's pretty easy in that situation. Okay, this guy lit my head on fire. He's not a good friend. He's a fool. That's a guy that I want to kind of spend some time maybe reconsidering my friendship with that guy, right? But usually it's not that easy to see. It's very difficult to know, is this a friendship that is benefiting me and is a good friend for me? Or is this somebody that might actually be leading me down, uh, leading me in a direction that I do not need to go? So I feel like there's a few things here that I can give you that are things that I've learned about relationships that I really think will help you to make the distinguishment between uh, what a friend is and what a wise friend friend is. So a friend will listen and support you whatever choice you make. But a wise friend will listen to you and then help you make a wise choice. That's what a wise friend will do. A friend will tell us nice things that make us feel better about ourselves. That's what a friend does. But a wise friend loves us enough to point us toward the truth even when we may not want to hear it. Friends don't really ask us to make changes in our lives or take risks. But wise friends love us so much that they help us change for the better. They help us consider when it's time to take a risk. So if you want to bring a fundamental change in your belief and behavior, you need to create a community of relationships around you, where those new beliefs can be practiced and expressed and nurtured. If you go to church here, you know that that's part of what Daybreak is all about, is that we're really trying to create a community where life change can happen. We want you to connect with other people. We don't want you to just come to church on Sunday, sit here, and then head home. We want you to find a relationship with other people that can spur you on in your relationship with Jesus. Because when we put it into practice with friends who are doing the same thing, that's what makes it stick when we're taking those developmental steps. So let me ask you as we transition to point two, who is influencing your life right now that shouldn't be? You know they're a negative influence right now. You know that right now in that friendship, you are in the companionship of fools. The other question I would ask you is the flip side of that is, who do you wish was influencing your life and could be? Because we all need great, great friendships. Because great friendships not only influence us, but they, number two, improve the quality of our lives. They improve the quality of our lives. So structure your life around them. Most of you know the Apostle Paul as a missionary of the early church and the author of many of the letters that are still contained in the Bible today. 
But did you know that he was kind of like a solo artist, really, before he met up with Jesus? He really was doing his own thing. He wasn't really interested in being a part of a community. He just looked at things as, all right, here's my checklist. This is what I have to do. And if I do the things on my checklist, then people are going to affirm me. They're going to follow me and I'm going to make it happen. And so Paul actually spent some time when his name was Saul, he spent that time persecuting the church. So when he met Jesus, it actually made for a very awkward circumstance because a lot of the people that he was then serving alongside of, his brothers and sisters in Jesus, were potentially the family members of people that he had persecuted or even potentially murdered. And yet that community of faith at that time embraced Paul wholeheartedly. And some of his greatest friends and mentors were in that group of the early church that he was persecuting before he found Jesus. These same people forgave him. They gave him a new opportunity. They gave him great friendship. So when you read this next bit of advice from Paul out of Galatians 6.2, Understand that it comes from that place of deep experience. Galatians 6.2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You will fulfill the law of Christ. See, Paul understands that life is better together. Why? Because in God's family, friends don't run from their friends when their friends are struggling. Friends show up for their friends in their moments of greatest need. Sticking with your friend fulfills the law of Christ because the law of Christ was to love God and love people. So when we carry each other's burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ to love God and love people. But Paul doesn't end it there. He continues to say in Galatians 6.10, again, we split this verse up into two pieces. The first part of Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. So not just those that we have great friendships with. This is what I was pointing to at the beginning. Obviously, you need to have relationship with people that, aren't, uh, that currently aren't uh, in relationship with Jesus and aren't pointing you towards him. You need to have that so that you can be an influence on them. So we need to do good to all people. And it's good and it's right to help others discover God's love for them by loving them. I mean, there are hundreds of verses in the Bible that talk about how we need to serve people, like widows and orphans and strangers. We just need to be active about serving. And Paul dedicated his whole life to helping people discover life change with Jesus. He sacrificed a lot in order to do good to all people and help them all along on their journey to find hope in Christ. He understood that Jesus provided hope to all people. It was universal. And yet, at the same time, he also understood what Galatians 6.10 goes on to say, that we need to make a priority of meeting the needs of fellow believers in Christ. Look what he continues with in verse 10. He says, especially to those who belong in the family of believers. So let's read that whole thing again. Galatians 6.10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Paul took time to emphasize Something really important, not just about how we serve, but also who we serve. We need to do good to all people, but we also need to be intentional about having great friendships with the lives of people that are trying to follow Jesus. That's why great friendships are so important in the family of God. Great friendships are not just suggested in the Bible, but they are an expectation. It is truly a win-win situation because we both win. If I invest in relationship with you, and I'm able to be a positive influence on you, you then also invest in me. It's a win-win. We're both growing. We're developing in our faith. 
But how do we find such friendship? I, pr- I promised you I was going to give you some appro- an, an approach with this. The way that we find this kind of approach is influenced a little bit by something we read from a guy named Malcolm Gladwell that wrote a book called Tipping Point. And he quotes a study that determined that we have this assumption that the reason we're friends with people is we have shared values. But he actually found something distinctly different. This is what he said. A study at the University of Utah found that if you ask someone why he's friendly with someone else, he'll say it's because he and his friends share similar attitudes. But if you actually quiz the two of them on their attitudes, you'll find out that what they actually share is similar activities. We're friends with the people we do things with as much as we are with the people we resemble. We don't seek out friends, in other words. We associate with the people who occupy the same small physical spaces that we do. The point is, great friendships initially can be largely about proximity. Putting yourself in a place where you are next to great people that potentially could be great friends. The problem is that we fill up our lives with so many activities, so many things that are going on, that the structure of our lives doesn't allow us to be in proximity to great people that potentially could be great friends for us. So are you missing great friendship, friendships? Are you feeling alone? If so, have you considered that maybe there's some things you need to remove from your life so that you can structure your life in a way that you can be in proximity to great people that you can establish great friendships with? I can remember for us, we've been at Daybreak, my wife and I have been at Daybreak for uh, over 10 years. And in the time that we came, the first couple of years that we came here, I was like a little bit involved in student ministry at the time, just in a volunteer basis. But for the most part, she was working full-time, I was working full-time. And for two years, we really didn't develop a whole lot of relationship with anybody. I spent a good, good bit of time with Pastor Joel and Pastor Rick and, and even Pastor John. But So I had relationship with some of the staff but I really didn't have a relationship with anybody else in the church. And we were two years into it, and we finally decided, you know what, we have to do something about this. And we joined a small group, which was a little bit scary at the time. We were like, we don't know any of the names on this list. We have no clue who they are. And I remember the night that my wife and I were trying to go to small group. We didn't have any kids at the time. And we were trying to get ourselves ready for small group, and we could not find the keys. Like, we could not find the keys anywhere. We were frantically searching all over the house. And I remember my wife being at her dresser. I still don't really understand why she thought the keys would be in her dresser, but she had the dresser drawer open and she's just tossing clothes over her shoulder, like so frustrated. I'm like standing back like, what is happening right now to my wife? So we were really frustrated. It was like a half hour. We finally found the keys and we're like, you know what? Is it even worth going? Because we're going to get there 45 minutes late. I just don't even know if we should go, but we decided let's just go for it. Let's go. And when we got to that small group, I I can't say that there was anything that was like earth shattering about that first time that we came to small group. We didn't walk into the room knowing that we were going to find great friendships in that small group. But you know what happened over the course of that first 12-week small group? And then over the course of the next year, then the next five to six years, we found some of our greatest friendships in the context of that small group. And we feel like each one of those couples that we met in that context, not only were they important and a, and a healthy influence on us in several times where we had to make really important decisions, but also that opened the door to a lot of other friendships that we now have with many, many more of you. I wonder, as I was preparing this message, one of the things that I was wondering was, what if we just hadn't gone that night? Like, what if we hadn't taken that scary step? Would we have ever made those relationships? Would we have ever found those friendships? Maybe we would have. 
Or it's also possible that my life could look very different from what it is right now. So I'm so thankful that God got us there for that first small group opportunity. I find my friendship with these people, like the, those guys that are in my small group, to be a rare commodity. And I really cherish their friendship. Um, and maybe some of you have had those same kind of friends or even currently have that type of friends, the kind of friends that love you no matter what, that see you at your best and at your worst. Maybe some of you have never had that or you're just realizing now how great that would be if you could. I want to assure you that friends like that are not just a bonus that's reserved for some lucky people. But God has intended for every single one of us to have strong friendships like that, that we have great friendships with people that point us back to him. So if you have struggled to find that kind of friend before and you've given up, then I would tell you, get back at it. Like work hard, do whatever you have to do. Put yourself in proximity to great people so that you can find great friendships because when you do find them, it will have a great impact on your life. We started off today with my good friend, Wooly Willie. And I want to come back to him here at the end. You see, we talked about at the beginning about how this magnet, when it's manipulated properly, can completely change Willie's look. He can look very different after that magnet comes to work. The outside influence of the magnet changes everything for Willie. So my question is, who could be that magnet for you? Do you have a friend or friends that will influence your direction and increase the quality of your life? If not, please hear me this morning. You need to have those great friendships in your life if you hope to discover all that God has in store for you. So please listen into the following video about how God is using great friendships and powerful ways here at Daybreak, and then I'll come back up to wrap up. Hello, my name is Michelle Swanger. Hi, my name's Amy Bell. Hi, I'm Jason Fickus. Hello, I'm Perry Moser. I'm connected to a home group through Daybreak. I participated in the Spring Women's Study Group through FWL. I've been connected to a home group here at Daybreak for approximately two years. It all started in June of 2012 when I heard about the Taste of Leadership group. During the course of the study, God took time to really hammer home a lot of truths as well as to knock out some lies in my life. When I first connected to a home group, uh, I didn't have very many solid Christian friendships. I wasn't really comfortable in my own skin, uh, so I was lacking self-confidence, um, I was unfocused, uh, I was pretty shy and pretty introverted. But then I was invited to join a home group. I found a place where I could be authentic and vulnerable with other people. I found a place where people encouraged me and where people helped me discover the unique ways that God had gifted me uh, to make a difference in this world. The group was wonderful made a lot of new connections through that group, but we learned a lot of strategies and just some great techniques that would help us whenever we started our own groups. And so that fall, I started a home group and it's just been a joy. Being connected here with men's small group at Daybreak has certainly given me the opportunity to meet some really great, authentic Christian men, um, help me to, to get through some difficult times. 
Being part of the study really drew me closer with other people in community that I didn't know as well. I found Christ-centered relationships uh, where spiritual growth and life change could take place for me. These men have helped me to process difficult things, build some really great authentic Christian friendships I thought I could never build, ever. I didn't realize the deepness of friendship I could have. The connections that I've made, the um, just the chances to get to know people and help them to grow spiritually while, while I myself grow spiritually. And part of that community was that we all had the same thing in common of reading together and learning how we were God's daughters and the goodness that He has in store for us. Jesus has certainly taught me that it's imperative upon me to have good, strong men around to build my character and for me to be responsible for helping other guys build their character too. Being connected to a home group has changed the trajectory of my life from being a disconnected loner uh, to being a member of a great spiritual family. So maybe you've been attending Daybreak for a little while now, and you still feel like you're struggling to find a home in this community. You've been enjoying the Sundays, but just feel like you, you haven't found that home yet. Or maybe you're new in the last couple of weeks and you are just looking for a way to connect. Uh, we have a great opportunity for you this summer to be a part of what we call our Taste of Community Groups. Uh, it gives you the opportunity over the course of the summer to just get a little idea of what it's like to be a part of a small group at daybreak. So you'll get to meet some other people, some other potential great friendships for you to go through life with. I would strongly encourage you to make room for great friendships through one of these small groups. Uh, I want to just, I'd ask, I want to ask you guys to pull out your response cards and give you an opportunity to respond today. So if you could reach into your program guide today and grab your response cards. I would encourage you, I, I really want this to be kind of a clean slate for you. Whatever you feel like you need to share that God is teaching you about today, or maybe he's challenging you with something, you have a question about something, I just want you to have a completely open uh, opportunity there to be able to respond in whatever way you feel like God might be calling you to do it. And I want to say a word of prayer uh, as you respond. Lord, I love you, and I thank you so much for every person that's here today. I thank you, Lord, that many of us are here as a result of great friendships, that we were invited here to be a part of this church family because of the, the great friendships that we have surrounding us. So I pray, God, that for every person in this room, if they are feeling um, alone, if they feel like they're going at it just by themselves, that today, God, they would make it their, their determination that they are going to find great friends, uh, that they're going to take every avenue possible in order to make that happen. We love you, God. We trust you. And thank you for being our greatest friend. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.